Praise the Lord, everybody. Are you happy to be in conference? Yes. Amen. I was talking about enjoying the preaching. I said, just as soon as tonight's over, I can look forward to it. Amen. I look forward to it. The great thing about being the first night speaker is you get to enjoy the rest of the conference. You're not nervous about all that. Praise God. But I do um, want to obey the Lord, do my very best to uh, deliver to you what the Lord has laid on my heart. I um, feel very definite the Lord has spoke to me something to preach here. I... uh, Just really want to be myself, not try to be a conference preacher in that uh, you expect anything different than usual. But I do want to obey the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Brother Bass, for hosting this conference. Tremendous burden. The... uh, Tremendous expense. I appreciate it. The hospitality has already been great. Thanks for the nice room, the uh, fruit basket, all the things that's been done already to make our uh, stay enjoyable. Thank you very much. To all the ministers that are here, um, appreciate you being here. need your help. Please help me preach tonight. So good to see all the saints of God that are here. And I pray that you will come to receive what the Lord has laid on your, uh, what the Lord has laid on my heart. In a little while, I hope it'll be on yours. Praise God. Acts chapter one. The very title of this conference has already stirred me and helped me when I stopped and pondered the meaning. Southeastern Conference on Revival and Evangelism. I question whether I was qualified to even speak at a conference such as this. I feel like I'm falling so far short in the area of revival and evangelism. And in prayer and and fasting, um, I feel like the effect of this conference has already been positive in my life helping me to recognize that I need to do more for the work of God. If I'm going to please Him, I've got to be busy in His business. I can't be motivated by my own agendas, my own desires, my own hopes and ambitions, unless they are concurrent with His. Amen. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1. Let's read verses 1 and down. I could just read one or two, but let's read it all. The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, 
but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Amen. The last things that Jesus instructed and told us, I would like for it to become a reality in our life today. Amen. Revival, evangelism, holiness, I believe it all hinges right here. Amen. Can we pray together? Please pray for me. Let's pray for one another. God, right now in the name of Jesus, I ask you to let the holy anointing of the Lord come destroy the yoke out of our lives. God, the people that are gathered in this room today are the apple of your eye. They deserve better than I can give. You must come. You must minister to your people. Help us in Jesus' name. We have confidence in you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. The glory of the Lord resting here today. Come on, can we praise Him? Praise Him. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for honoring the word of the Lord. For just a while tonight, do I have to preach till 10? Okay. (laughs) He said the restaurant was going to close out all their normal things and open back up at 10. And if we went the same route we came from the hotel here, it'll take till 10 just about to get back there. <laughs> but we're here, and uh, <clears throat> thanks to my chauffeur. <laughs> Hallelujah! But if the Lord will help me just for a little while, I don't plan to preach to ten o'clock. I will do my best to be thorough, uh, yet as brief as possible. And I don't know if those two things work together, but I'll try. And uh, I want to preach to you from this little little thought the Lord laid on my heart a few. Uh, weeks ago in preparation for this uh, meeting and I want to title it The Witness The Witness Amen According to uh, the research that I've done I found that this word witness used here in Acts chapter 1 comes from a root word that could have very easily been interpreted martyr Martyr A martyr is someone that we all readily know that will lay down his life for a cause. But not only will a martyr lay down his life for a cause, he will live his life for a cause. Amen. And I, I want to, just for a little while tonight, try to uh, pique your interest and, and, and prompt you and prod you into doing the will of God for the hour that you and I are living in. There's a lot been said about uh, the new millennium, Y2K, is it's a fading thing. We don't even think about that much anymore. But the new millennium that we're living in, I believe that, that there is a tremendous need 
like never before for witnesses to be credible, their testimonies to be valid, and they must definitely be available. Amen. Those are the things I'd like to talk about for a little while tonight. Credibility, validity, and availability. Can we, can we fit those three things, the criteria that I believe the Lord? Now there's a lot of other things that could go into it here for just a little while, but, but I, I just, I simply want to, if I can, get you to know that there's a world out there that's dying, lost, and unless this church and the people that make up the church of the living God mobilize themselves and begin to do a work, they're never going to hear. They're never going to know. They will perish without ever having understood the things that you and I take for granted. Amen. You see the qualifications to become a witness, uh, uh, they're, they're not very hard. It's, it's really, it, it, there's really no qualifications to become a witness. But once you become a witness, there is a tremendous responsibility that goes along with becoming a witness. In Luke chapter 12, it said, to whom much is given, much is required. Your testimony, the thing that God gives you, it must be protected. If you become tainted by the world, your credibility is diminished and sometimes destroyed. Amen. So if there's ever a time that real saints of God are Christians in the truest sense of the word, not a social term of being a Christian, not just with lip service, but somewhere deep on the inside of you, there needs to be a desire born that says, I'm going to be a saint. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to be an oracle of the Lord. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. Hallelujah. The world is tired. They are, they are sick and tired uh, of Christians that call themselves that, that go to church on Sunday and then on the Mondays they begin to sing the blues and on Friday and Saturday they're right in the midst of the party crowd. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe that's the way it ought to be. Uh, I believe if you're going to shout and dance on Sunday, you ought to shout and dance on Monday. Hallelujah. We need credibility. People are looking for something that's real. They're looking for something that's right. They're tired of shams. They're tired of fakes and phonies and fads. They're looking for something that they can hang their hat on and live and, and, and work and raise their families. I'm telling you, church, we have the answer. They're spending billions of dollars to try to research it and find it out. And we have in this church, in the truth that we possess, the very thing they're desiring. What are we doing? We're setting here without any understanding whatsoever what we should be doing and that is go out and show them that there is a credible church there is people with credibility amen you know recent memory would bring to you names like jim jones jim baker jimmy swagger i don't know my name was jim i might change it but you know you think about these these are these are preachers that uh uh, they, you know, I could, I could name other men's names, but it would hit too close to home for us. And we would not be comfortable calling their names, but they have, they have so diminished the credibility of the ministry. And I'm not here to preach to preachers, I'm here to be preached to. But we, we have seen the credibility of ministries, uh, so diminished because of some of these characters that tuck a Bible under their arm and wrap a tie around their neck. Uh, and they get a title and they begin to walk around and say, I am this and I am that. And people put confidence and trust in them and then they do the things that they do. But I'm so glad that behind me and around me here, there are men of God that have not bent and bowed to the things of this world. They're still holding on to credibility. 
If you got a man of God that can walk downtown into the bank uh, and then not shake their head whenever they see him walk in the door, you ought to be thankful that you have a man of God uh, that has credibility. Uh, help me a little bit tonight. Credibility. We need credibility. We have credibility with ourselves and with our, our brothers and our sisters, but the world, they look down their long nose at us and think we're just like the other church, church going public. But I'm telling you, it's up to you and I to become a witness to the credibility that lies deep within us. There is a need. There is a tremendous need. The world is sinking in darkness. They're going to hell and we're not doing anything about it. We're not making ourselves known. We're not making it manifest that there is a credible church in our cities and in in our locations, uh, wherever we might be. Uh, but will you please, will you please hear the little voice of this little Mississippi preacher? Somebody stand up uh, and say, while there may be a lot uh, of other people who are, are living a, a, a really a false kind of way, they're living in a way that it's hard to tell whether they're really Christian or not. Uh, and you know, we have a term for it, we call it hypocrites. You know, the world says that we're all hypocrites. Uh, but I believe with all my heart, there are people that I'm preaching to tonight. You're not a hypocrite. You have credibility. Can we stand up and say, you can count on me. I'm not going to change with every whim that blows through. I'm not going to change with every fad and every fashion that blows through. Is there a witness in the house? Do I have any credible preachers in the building tonight? Is there any credible saints in the house tonight that will say, you can count on me. I'll be the right. I'll be the same. Credibility. It's a lost virtue. It's not there anymore. So many people have forsaken it, abandoned it, have walked away from it. They have, they have chosen popularity rather than credibility. They have chosen the easier path. I'm going to tell you, for you to have credibility in your life, sometimes it's going to mean that you're going to have to swim upstream. It's going to mean that you're going to have to go against popular opinion. You're not going to be the, the favorite person in your community. But I'm going to tell you, when it's all said and done, they'll have to take their hat off and say they're a real man. They're a real woman. They have virtues. They're credible. <laughs> I, I believe that there's ever been a time that we need to do that. We, you know, and, and I don't want to make this a political thing, but we are, we are seeing it not only in, in the so-called religious realm, but we're seeing it in the political realm among our, our leaders, both of a state and national level and even world level where, where the credibility of, of the office, the credibility of what they should be is, is so diminished and almost destroyed. The, the, uh, to, in, in my estimation, okay, if you don't agree with this, that's your business, but I, I, I think that the credibility of the, the office of the President of the United States at this particular time, it has been a, made a mockery, a sham. I, I cannot believe that we have a leader that has, that has stooped to such low levels. Hey, it, and, and, and it's credibility everywhere. People are looking and searching for something that's real and right. I mean, we're just, we're just it's people that are looking for an easy way out, another direction to go. We don't, we don't, we don't find it anywhere. But I'm telling you, the church has credibility. I said the church has credibility. If you're a part of the real church, you have credibility. One of the attributes of credibility, and I'm not going to stay here long, but one of those things is consistency. Consistency. Where is our consistency? Oh, Lord, help me. 
we'll preach it in our pulpits that we can't, we can't have fallen out. We gotta love one another. We gotta get along together. But you have a conference like this and it's very few conferences come and go that preachers don't leave miffed at one another and have problems. I'm telling you, man, we need to learn how to tolerate one another and come together a little bit better. We preach it to our saints. We want our saints to get along and not have any problems. But what about us? Can we do the same thing? Amen. With that said, can I tell you also, saints, we need, we need some consistency. That's what the world are looking at us. And they're saying, well, you know, you know, they're extreme in this area, but they're, they're so lax over here. What we need is to be consistent. We need consistent, because consistency will bring credibility. Hallelujah. I'm not going to get into all the particulars, but I'm telling you, it's quite, evident that if we could be consistent, that we could be a lot more effective in evangelism and revival and in holiness. We need consistency. I need consistency. That's why I'm here at this conference. Is that I can hear the preaching of the word of the Lord. Preaching will cause you to become consistent. Amen. I've recently been preaching in in our home church and as I I was preaching and I've noticed a laxness among our people and among our leaders and and they uh, had just kind of got to where they would kind of show up at on time, maybe on time, maybe a little bit late and and people would kind of wander in and they would wander to their posts and positions in the church and, and so for the last two or three weeks I've been really working on that and uh, so uh, at a recent service I, I turned around, all the musicians were sitting there. Everybody was in their pew, and everybody was where they were supposed to be, and I, I was looking around, and I turned to one of the men on the platform, I said, man, look at here, everybody's on cue, everybody's ready to go, what's going on? They said, you've been preaching to us. Preaching will cause you to be consistent. Amen. It's so obvious that you got to listen to it, and you got to be obedient to it. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you want credibility? How many of you are a witness to credibility? Amen. There is a world full of people who are inconsistent. There is a world full of people who are, have no credibility. But the real church of the living God has all the credibility in the world. We can talk and talk, but can we walk the walk? We can talk a good game, but can we play it on game day? What can we do? What, what are we going to do? Oh, yes, we got power. We got anointing. We've got glory. We got, I'm telling you, if you'll come down to our church, uh, we'll have a Holy Ghost hoedown. And whenever they come, they sit on the back. You don't know they're there. And you're sitting over on your seat. And you're just like you are at any other service. Uh, nothing's really happening. And they're looking at you saying, where is your credibility? Your testimony is becoming tainted. Oh, you know what you need? You need to get the Holy Ghost. You need to get baptized in Jesus' name. You need to speak in other tongues uh, as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Uh, you need to, you need to separate yourself from the world. We'll talk it to them. We'll talk it to them. We'll talk, but can we show it to them? This is not a physics lesson, but the speed of light far exceeds the speed of sound. You can tell them all day long, but until you show them, you have no credibility. Amen. It will make it to their mind and to their brain, to their soul much faster if you will show them what credibility is all about. Don't have a double standard. Men, if you're at church and you're full of the Holy Ghost and you go, on to, your, you go to your job and you're witnessing on your jobs, I trust that you do. You're being a witness and you're telling the men that you work with every day, I'm going to tell you what you better do. You better be consistent. You better be credible because they're going to be watching you. 
They're going to be looking. You think they're not there. You think they're not paying any attention. And they've got their, they turn their rock and roll and whatever else kind of music they want. And I'm going to tell you, all it takes is one little tap of the toe and a snap of the finger and a little move with the music. And they're going to come running around the corner saying, I thought y'all didn't do that down to that apostolic church. Where's your credibility? Oh, uh, yeah, ladies, you're, you're witnessing to them in your offices, wherever you work, you're witnessing to them about church, about cleanliness and godliness and morality and all this stuff. And you come to our church, you won't have to worry about all this stuff. And some handsome man comes walking through the office, and they're watching you, and your eyes follow him across the office. And they see them eyebrows raise up. Hey, I'm going to tell you what's going on. You have just tainted your credibility. Are you a witness or not? How many witnesses do we have in the house? Credibility. We need credibility. Oh, preacher, you said that a hundred times already. When we get it, we'll move along. Credibility. Somebody tell your neighbor, are you credible or not? Some of you think you're incredible, but that's not really true. <laughs> Amen. Well, there's nowhere else in town you can go and have this much fun for a dollar. We need credibility. If there's ever been a time, there is so much, there is so much inconsistency in our world people are there, there's so many people living lies and living a uh, fake phony th- i'm telling you it's incredible i cannot believe how much of it goes on there are things that happen and transpire and whenever it comes out into the light you can't believe the the, the who's who of your community you can't believe all the things that's going on behind closed doors and in the dark because men's deeds are evil but i'm telling you friend it ought not be that way in the church your light ought to re- prove and rebuke their darkness it ought to be that whenever your light comes into their world that you dispel that darkness but I'm going to tell you, you can't be turning the light on and off. You can't be one thing one day and something else the next day. Because if you are, you're going to make a mockery out of your responsibility. Amen. It don't take much to get here. But it takes a little bit of commitment to stay. Anybody can wander in off the street and get the Holy Ghost. Anybody can come in here. But once you get the Holy Ghost, once God has invested His power and His anointing into your life, you step out of that dimension into another dimension. And there has to be some credibility that goes along with it. You just didn't accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You didn't walk the aisle and shake a preacher's hand. You didn't sign a church card. You didn't join the church. If you got it the right way, you were born again. You're not the same man that you used to be. You're not the same woman that you used to be. You have newfound credibility. Credibility. Oh, help us, Jesus. But I, uh, I, I, I know that credibility is something that we all know and need, and we have to have it. We can't be inconsistent, church. Please don't ever think that you can be inconsistent. That's right. That's right. Some of the most embarrassing times of people's lives are whenever they have said one thing and then go and do something else. That's right. All right. That's right. Amen. 
You know, it's, it's amazing the change of attitude you'll have whenever you find out who people are. Amen. How many times have I been so thankful that I was being credible with people that I have come in contact with? I would think that I was way away from the pageant from anybody that knew me anywhere in the world. Just be maybe on vacation or whatever and, and walk into a hotel or restaurant or somebody. And, and, and if I was not being credible, I would have gotten myself into a trap because the person that I contacted while I was there, maybe a waiter, a waitress, maybe a manager, maybe someone there in one of the businesses, wherever I was at, they would say, are you an apostolic preacher? Are you Pentecostal? I, are you, did I see you're from Mississippi? I have friends. They, they live. I'm all the time, even in my small little backwoods world, I run into people all over, all over the United States that, that know a lot about my background and where I'm from. What is this all about? I'm telling you, we cannot ever let our guard down. The day that we let our guard down, we have failed him. This is not, this is not a battle. Good brother told us about the battle. This is not a battle for weekend warriors. This is not a battle for weekend warriors. The world has enough weekend warriors. I've talked to them time and again, time and again, time and again. What makes you different preacher than my preacher? What makes you, what makes the, the men and the women of your church different than the people of my church? How can they come and sing in the choir on Sunday and commit fornication before that next Sunday comes around? What's going on? I can, I, I, what's, what's happening here? I'm going to tell you what's happening here. There's no power in their life. There is nothing to make them credible. Oh, Lord. So that moves us to the next step. If, you know, to have credibility, there, there has to be some validity in what we have. You know, the importance of the witness, the power that a witness holds, whether it's in the court of law or any, anywhere else, is not based, it's not based in the person. It's not based in their pedigree or who they are. It's not based in their intellect, how smart they are. It's not based in their ability, what they can do. But it's based in the information that they possess. The importance of any witness has very little to do with their walk of life. It has very little to do with their background, but it has everything to do with what they know. That's why it's vital for you to be credible. That's why the validity of the truth that you and I have, the thing that we're carrying in our, in our soul and in our mind and in our heart, that prompts us to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that what we have is valid. What we have is not a fake. It's not a fact. They, I'm telling you, in the world, they think they have salvation. They think they have the truth. But for every saint of God in the building today, you know what makes you apart and separate and distinct from everybody else in the world? It's not the way you dress. It's not the places that you go or don't go. But what sets you apart is the power that you possess that's what validates you 
You know, we, we confuse power with a lot of things. We think it's the little, you know, uh, the little doodads, they call it. Run up and down your back. You know, a little tingling sensation you get whenever you're in the middle of a church service. That's, that's, that's the power of God. I'm going to tell you, friend, you're, you're not really accurate there. I'm just, you know, I like to feel it myself. I like to get all, I like to get all that going and all that emotions all worked up. But I'm going to tell you, the power of God is not just a tingling sensation that runs up and down your backbone. Because there's going to come a day that you're not going to tingle anywhere. There's going to come a time whenever you're not going to feel any doodads. You're going to be in the midst of a deep, dark valley. And you're going to have to have enough power to crawl your way out. You're not going to feel like a Christian. Hmm. I'm going to tell you what makes it valid is that the Bible tells us Romans chapter 1 verse 16. He said, I am not ashamed. Paul said it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and the salvation. The truth that you and I have is where our power comes from. Our power does not come from being who we are. I don't care if you got a long pedigree behind you of apostolics in your life. I don't care if you're the banker's son. or It don't matter if you've got a million dollars in your bank account. Your pedigree don't impress God. That's not where your power comes from. It's not in your ability. I don't care what you can do and how well you can do it. That has nothing to do with your validity. I don't care how much intellect you have, how many degrees you have, what seminaries or what universities that you've gone to. That's not what validates you. What validates you is the power of God that's working in your life. What is the power of God that's working in your life? It's truth. That's the power of God. Truth is what really sets us free and changes us. Amen. You want to be a real witness. Not only do you have to have credibility, but you've got to be able to validate the thing that you're going to say. You can't just say it and just not... You you know, there there are people out there that's telling all kinds of things. They knock on your door on Saturday, wake you up. Oh, yeah. They ride their bicycle to your house. Come on. Oh, yeah, we'll smile and laugh, but I'm going to tell you, somebody's going to point a finger at us on Judgment Day because they're getting out and they're doing a little bit of something with with an invalid thing. They're out there at least hustling and working. And what are we doing? We're sitting here with a real genuine article and we're asleep on Saturday morning. Oh, yeah. Where is, where is that? Where, when are we gonna validate what we've got? When are we gonna, when are we gonna get up and take something to task? When are we gonna do it? The truth that we have is an incredible tool that we have, but yet it's still, we're so ashamed of it. We're so afraid of it. We're afraid it's gonna offend somebody. We're afraid it's gonna hurt somebody's feelings. I'm gonna tell you, friend, you can never be ashamed of the truth. You can never turn your back on the truth. You can never duck your head whenever it comes to telling it like it is. I'm not trying to give you a license to be uncouth. I'm not trying to give you a license to be a jerk, okay? I'm not trying to give you a, uh, I'm not trying to validate the idea that what you should do, all you folks go to work tomorrow or whenever you go back to work and walk up to everybody and say, well, bless God, if you hadn't been baptized in Jesus' name, got the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, you're going to hell. Well, it might be true, but you don't just tell them like that. 
telling you, there is a way. There is a way to tell the truth in the spirit of love. And I'm, I'm not talking about some charismatic deal. Please, you know, I don't have to validate myself here, I don't think. Y'all know what I believe. But I'm telling you, there is a way that we can, we can spread this gospel. We can tell this gospel. We can share this gospel. We can do all that uh, and, and still be credible and be valid in all that we do. But friend, we need so desperately to realize what we possess. It is powerful. You can't contain it if you don't, if you don't allow God to work through you. He's going to work through somebody else. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I'm preaching, I'm preaching myself already. I've been under conviction ever since the Lord gave me the message because I am not doing everything that I can do and should do for the kingdom of God. This is a revival about evangelism. This is a revival about holiness. This is a, re- this is a conference about revival. Why in the world can't we understand that you and I are at the very center of making this happen? Whether we are a witness of the credibility and the validity of it all is going to determine whether it happens or not in our cities. We, we have to understand the truth. You know, we know it's right. We will affirm it and reaffirm it throughout this conference. If you don't believe it, just come back in the morning. We'll talk about it again and again and again and again and again. We'll rehash it. We'll go over it. We'll tell you the finer points of it. We'll tell you, we'll tell you it in a nutshell. We'll, we'll break it down uh, into minute detail. We'll let you know the, the, the rights and the wrongs and the maybe so's. We'll, we'll do our very best to, to, to give it to you the best we know how. We'll, we'll try to lay all of that out. To, but I'm going to tell you, friend, until you get up out of this congregation and walk out into a lost and dying world, uh, there are people, there are people that are on on trial there are people out there that have not been convinced yet and unless you walk out with your credibility and the validity of the gospel into their lives you will not ever do the will of God never do the will of God never you can't do it you know I could preach here for a little while and you know, preachers know all the little hot buttons. You know, we could preach about certain issues and things and make everybody jump and get excited. And, you know, these are things. And I'm, I'm not opposed to preaching about all that. I hope somebody preaches about them. I just don't feel like preaching about them tonight. I hope somebody will. And I'm sure they will before this conference is over. But I'm telling you, this has got to be more than an emotional high. We can't just come to conference and get emotionally involved. But we've got to come here and get something that will take us beyond the four walls of this building. We've got to have something born in our spirit and our heart that whenever we leave here and go back to wherever we are if you're in a small town or a big city if you're in a foreign country wherever you're from it doesn't really matter to me I don't care what your background is all that doesn't matter what makes it real what will make it work is that it is right well, I'm, I'm not just, I just can't really do it. I can't, I can't tell anybody about it. There are people every day telling people about it, and it's all wrong. They're telling them lies. They're telling them falsehoods, half-truths. They're telling them every day, every day, where is a real witness? Is there a real witness in the house that can go out and say, oh, yes, they're telling you things that will help you, and I know they've fallen short, but let me tell you something that's real. It's valid, church. It's valid. You know, a witness, a witness, whenever an attorney prosecuting or defense, whenever they will interview a witness, whenever they will, they will screen them, they'll bring them in. And one of the things that they are looking at so very closely is the validity of their testimony. 
I want to know if it's right or if it's wrong. I want to know if you're going to be able to stick to your story. I want to know, did you really see it or did you just hear about it? I want to know, did the high profile case just draw you in with the hopes of maybe signing a book deal because you were, you were a witness in this big case. But friend, they're looking very close at the credibility of the witness and they're also looking at the validity of their testimony. Can I tell you, the world is looking at you and I the same way. Once they have determined that you're credible, sir. Once they have determined, saint of God, that you're different than anybody else they've ever met in their life. Then the next step they go to is the validity of the story that you've got to tell. What are you going to tell me? You know, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I've been through every rehab program in the state. I've been to AA. I've been to all of them. I've been. To, I'm not trying to say those things are not good, but I'm going to tell you what they're not. They're not nearly as good as what you and I have. Amen. I've tried other things, and everything has failed. What is the validity of your testimony? What is your statement going to hold? Is it going to ring true, or is it just going to be another lie? The world is looking for truth. I'm an addict. I can't help myself. I've got to have another fix. What can you do for me? I've done tried all these other rehabs. What can you do for me? I'm going to tell you, we have a valid cure for an alcoholic. We have a valid cure for an addict. Is there a witness in the house? Has, has God done that for anybody here? Is there a former ex-alcoholic? What about a former druggie in the house? Did God set you free? Did God change you? Well, the Lord didn't have to work very hard on some of you. How many were perfect whenever God saved you? (laughs) So you have in your life, you bear the scars of past mistakes and faults and failures and sin and evil and corruption. You have it without getting personal. It's all in everybody's life. It's marked throughout your life, your mind, your memory. It's there. And I'm going to tell you, whenever you got the Holy Ghost, did God cure your problem? Did he? Somebody answer me now. Did he? Yes, he did. He changed me. I'm not the same person that I used to be. And so whenever the Lord directs me into a life, or I go out and find a life. Oh, I just crossed one of our little crutches. If the Lord will just send me somebody, I'll be credible and I'll be valid. No, what about ever going out and looking for somebody? He said, go. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Everywhere you look, I, I run a research on that. Just a, every how many times the word go is used in the, in the New Testament. And I, I stopped counting. I run out of fingers and toes and all that stuff. And I just finally quit counting. It's, some, it's in there so many times. You can't believe how many times the word go is in the New Testament. But you know what we think? Well, if they'll come to our church, we'll help them. We'll change them. That's not the real attitude that you ought to have. That ought not be the real desire. It ought be if God sends me somebody, I'll do this. And if God sends me somebody, I'll do that. God Send somebody into my path. Why in the world? Why don't you pray? God send me into somebody's path. 
I'm going to tell you the, the manifold grace of God and His unique power and ability. It can mesh you with somebody that you can harmonize with and work with. How many times has it rang true that whenever you meet somebody, there is common ground. Whenever you say, I've been there, I've done that, I've got the scars to prove it. But you know what? I didn't stay there. I went to church. The preacher preached to me. I repented. I got the Holy Ghost. I'm changed. I'm changed. You can be changed. It's valid. It'll work. It'll work. It'll work. It'll work. Somebody say it'll work. It'll work. I'm a witness. I'm a witness. It'll work. It'll work. Those things that I once were, I'm not that anymore. Those desires that I used to have, I've conquered them in the power of the Holy Ghost. Those temptations that used to weigh me down and drag me under, they're no longer there because I have power in the Holy Ghost. It's not, it's not some kind of humanistic program that you go through all the little dots and the phases and the little tips and the tunes. It's not any of that, friend. I'm going to tell you what it's all in. It's all in surrendering your will, surrendering your life, surrendering your everything. It will work. It will change. If you're here tonight, let me tell you, I'll be a witness to you tonight. Whatever you're dilemma is there is a God that will meet you at an altar wherever you make that altar there is a God that will change your life amen very few of you still resemble the old man that you used to be you're not the same person you're not the same person why because somebody somewhere along the way gave you a valid chance it's not a hoax. We're living in a generation that have been fed so many lines. They have been told and sold so many things that's false. Not only are the people fakes, frauds, and phonies, but the story they've got to tell is the same. They're looking for you. They're looking for you. Where are you at? Where are you at? Where are you? You know where we are? We're hiding in the beautiful sanctuaries that God has helped us to build. We're hiding in the, our beautiful homes that God has blessed us with. We're riding in our nice cars, isolated and insulated from the dirtiness of the world. We're somebody now. We don't have to reach back out. I'm going to tell you to whom much is given, much is required. We cannot, we cannot. I want to sink this message deep into your soul. I know it's not fancy and it's not pretty and it's maybe not a conference message, but it will change your world if you will apply to it. There is something that can be done about your world, but you're going to have to break out of your, hear this now, you're going to have to break out of your blessings. Anybody blessing here? Has God been good to anybody in this house? You know what we're doing? We're sitting back. We're reclining in the arms of the blessings of God. We're, we have, we have, we're just so at ease in Zion. We're just having such a great time. Uh, kick back, laid back, enjoying life. Uh, I'm so glad to be living for God. Uh, thank God for what He's done for me. Uh, I'm going to tell you, friend, uh, while you're shouting and dancing and enjoying uh, the fat of the land, uh, there is a poor, miserable sinner that's dying lost, uh, and you don't care. You know what I want to see? 
and 2,000 in my little church. I want to see a desire born in the hearts and the minds of people that they can't sleep at night because they can only think about their lost co-workers. They can only think about their lost family members. Hey, I'm going to tell you, we'll let other things keep us up at night. Come on, let me talk to your parents a minute. You know what will get your attention? Whenever your children, is, if there's problems in their life. Pastors can validate what I'm saying. I've had them in my church. And their kids get a little, a little off track, a little off base and where they ought to be. And you know who? They're the first ones in the prayer room praying. Oh, God, help my son. Oh, God, help my daughter. They'll cry and travail. They'll weep. They'll, they'll, they'll fast. They'll do whatever they can because they have a vested interest in the person that they're praying for. I'm telling you, if we could get the same desire born in the hearts of the saints of God for a lost and dying world that we have for our own flesh and blood. Revival could not be contained in these four walls, Pastor Bass. It could not be contained in this building. It would spread throughout the city because men and women would be in the prayer rooms at daylight praying. They would be here hours before church praying. They would not be calling the names of familiar loved ones, but they would be calling the names of the lost and the dying. We don't care who they are. God send them. Oh, I'm telling you, I'm so sick and tired of our qualifications of who can come and who can't come. I'm telling you, whomsoever will, let him come. Hey, friend, we need to stop pre-qualifying them. There are no qualifications to become a witness. Well, we don't want their kind in our church. We don't want them sitting on our pews. We don't want them coming and soiling our floors and our pews. We don't want them. We don't want them make our congregation look bad. We don't want them to pull their old leaky cars that's pouring oil and transmission fluid and all that's on our paid parking lot. We don't want that. That's going to make us look bad. I'm telling you, we're going to look worse than they do in Judgment Day. There was a bunch of people just like us that went down the road to Jericho and they seen the man laying there and they passed by. They crossed over to the other side of the street. They didn't want to saw themselves and dirty themselves uh, with this poor, miserable person who had fallen into problems. Uh, I'm going to tell you, friend, if somebody hadn't crossed the street to you, if somebody hadn't reached down to you uh, whenever you were lying in your blood, uh, where would you be? Uh, Where would you be? You'd still be there, if not in your grave. Uh, Somewhere, somebody had to have compassion uh, on your never-dying soul. Uh, Somebody, somewhere, had to give you a valid cure uh, for your problem. Uh, Now, what? you given in return what have we given in return oh the Lord is pleased with me because of the amount of things that I possess God's obviously happy with me he has blessed me I now have nicer clothes I have bigger house I have a nicer car I have I have a better job I make more money I'm, I'm this I'm that I'm everything can you ever stop and consider that God has given you all of these things to return back into his work you know what we're interested in doing is pocketing it putting it back into our pockets but the pastor you stirred me the other night I went home made a commitment to God I said God you've been blessing me you've been sending me things you've been giving me things it's like things I touch it just turns out good what am I doing I'm lining the IRAs with it I'm lining my savings account with it I'm buying new things here or there filling all of my desires my hobbies my wants I'm getting all those things met and I'm not spending enough money on the outreach in my community. 
There's not enough signs. There's not enough billboards. There's not enough tracks being passed out. And I'm telling you, those are just, that, that's the obvious things that we do. But many of us are not even doing the obvious. Not even doing the obvious. What's so disheartening to think that if somebody approaches you on the job and says, Sir, what is it about you that makes you so different? Will you have a valid answer? We come and we sit on these pews. And the preachers that we have, we have the best preachers in the world. We have the best preachers in the world. If you don't think so, just take a trip on an off night and go visit another church in your town. Go visit, go visit the biggest, the fanciest, the nicest, and you'll come home shouting. You'll thank God for your preacher. We've got a little life. We've got a little fire. He's not going to bore you. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? You listen to what I'm preaching to you. We have the best preachers in the world. And we come, we bring our big, fat, lazy, spiritual carcasses and set them in the pew and say, feed me another little tidbit, another little morsel of sweet meat. Oh, there's another way I can get blessed. I figured out another way into God's treasure house. And we're just walking out. We're just waddling around with the blessings of God draped all over our lives. And we're not giving anything in return. What's wrong? Something's wrong with this picture. We're not a witness. Somebody so they can see the blessings of God in my life and they'll know that God's real. Oh friend, that's why you're so wrong. They'll look at you like a Pharisee and they'll say, I remember whenever they used to live down here in this little old place where I used to live. They used to live in these apartments by me. They used to live in this trailer park with me. They used to go to the same auto mechanic that I do. Now they're living uptown. Now they got a nice car and they don't know me anymore. Oh God. What's wrong? What's wrong with us? I'm telling you what's wrong with us. We are so greedy. We're trying to stuff our spirits full. The preacher's coming. He's preaching to us. Please, please hear the truth. The truth. And we think the truth is only for me. More for me. More for me. More for me. I've got to get more. I've got to get more. I've got to get more. And we never, never, never think that God's given that to you. Entrusting it to you. A talent that He's giving to you. What are you supposed to do with the talents? This is not in my notes, but what do we do? You can look at the, you can look in the Bible. You know the illustration that's given there. The one he gave five, to another he gave two, another he gave one. The one to five went out and got five more. The one that had two went out and got two more. The little low man on the totem pole. I'm not imparted to my church. I'm not imparted to my pastor. I'm just, I'm just a little lay member. I'm just a little saint. I just, nobody knows if I'm there or if I'm not. I'm just, I'm just here. But you know, I've got this little deal. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig it down deep into the, to the dirt of my, my inner man. And I'm gonna bury this Holy Ghost that I've got. And I'm just gonna maintain. And I'm just gonna persevere until He comes. That's not the will of God. You know, whenever the good man came back, the wrath fell on the one who did nothing. Hey, I'm telling you, God is not giving you the talents that you have. Just to get more for yourself. Oh, I've got five talents now. I can just enjoy life. We forget the pit that He dug us out of. We forget the pit that He dug us out of. We need to be out making ourselves available. Credibility. 
validity? What about availability? I'm going to tell you, credibility is absolutely necessary. Validity, it's impossible without validity. But availability is the hard part. There are good people, pastors, who sit in our churches. They're credible to the core. They, they have a valid testimony. But they're missing an action. Someone will come to the music. I'm, I'm, I'm about to close. I feel conviction. I, I don't know, Brother Bass, if this is what I was supposed to do or not. This is all I know to preach my heart. I pray that this little message will take you back to wherever you're from. Whether it's the inner city or whether it's the back roads of a small community. People are hurting everywhere. They're trying to fix it with another social program. They're trying to patch it with another hand-me-out. They're trying, they're trying, they're trying. And all the while we have credibility, the validity that we're just not available. Somewhere tonight, somewhere with an easy reach of the friendly, comfortable, cushy, soft place you called home. There's somebody crying. There's somebody destitute. But you know what? We're not interested in them. We want to seek the rich. We want to seek out the influential. They don't need our God. At least they don't think they do. I'm not saying that we can't win the rich. But it's just about like passing a camel through the eye of a needle. It's hard for the rich to be saved. And we've become rich. Oh, preacher, not me. I can show you my bank accounts. I'm not rich. Forget money for a minute, can we? Your wealth and wisdom and knowledge. You know, knowledge is arguably the most powerful thing in the world. The most valuable thing in the world is knowledge. No gold, silver, stocks, bonds. If you have no knowledge of it, you can never even acquire it. Knowledge. We're here. We have it. We've got it. We're rich. You know, we want to witness to them. If we break out of our shell, out of our comfort zone, if we venture into the field to work, we want to find somebody, we want to plant it on stony ground. We're not sowing enough seed just to cast it on stony ground, friend. We need to be finding the fertile soil. That's what we got to start somewhere. we got to start somewhere. We're not casting enough seed just to let it fall on all the types of the soil. We've got to be... The time that we're living in requires...
Hawking's business is requiring some haste, can we be sure? Who needs this, preacher? Who needs it? I'll tell you what you do. You go find the most unfortunate person in your community, and you'll find a willing ear to listen. There's nowhere for me to go. I'm already on the bottom. There's nowhere for me to go but up. They'll listen to you. You hear me? But when they're riding around in their Lexus, when they're living up on Main Street, whenever they're doing all that, you can't talk to them. But when they're down on the bottom, where did God find the majority of the people that's in this room right now? Tell me where you were. Everybody that was on the bottom, lift your hands and be a witness. The proof is right there. It's valid what I'm telling you. You're going to find people to fill the churches that you attend. You're going to find them right where you were found. Oh, but my pastor would be embarrassed to preach to people who came from where I come from. He preached to you, didn't he? Are you so increased with goods until you can't remember that he preached to you in the midst of your dilemma? Some of you came here in your homes. Your marriages were in wrecks and shambles. You were, you were thinking of suicide. You were, you were gripped by alcohol and by drugs. All kinds of addictions. Every sin of the flesh was rife in your life. We're there. But you know what? When you came and you sat down on the pew, the man of God says, Ma'am, God loves you. Sir, God died for you. He died that you might have life. That's a different story than I've ever heard, preacher. I can have life. I've been fighting an adversary that's trying to kill me. He's trying to, he's trying to rob me. He's trying to maim me. I, I don't understand. Hey, it's valid. It's valid. Let me tell you. Let me tell you where I was. And you can tell your testimony. You can let it ring loud and clear. And you can be very convincing to them because it's real. It's real. But it'll never happen until you're available for God. Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. You're considering your situation. You can't help your neighbor. You can't help your brother, your sister. You can't help anybody else in this room but yourself. Nobody can change you but yourself. You can't change your brother, your sister across the way. We're so... We're so caught up in this idea. I am waiting for somebody to go with me. I'm waiting on somebody to help me. I'm telling you, if you wait on everything to become perfectly right, you will never do a work for God. You will flounder and die and wallow until there's nothing left. I'm telling you, they knock on your door on Saturday. They're filling their little buildings. They ride their bicycle up and they're growing like crazy. Why? Because they're just available. People are searching for anything. If you're going to be a witness, the root of the word would indicate to me that you've got to become a martyr. Not only willing to die for this truth. If I ask the question throughout this congregation... If they told you to denounce the truth that you know or lay down your life, most of you say, well, preacher, I'll just lay down my life. But I'm going to tell you, a real martyr will not just 
lay down his life. But he will live his life for the cause. A real disciple. Is there a witness in the house? Are you exposed in the light of the Word today? Oh, preacher, why didn't you do something different? Why did you lay me bare? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why. He told us in the book of Romans, present your bodies, your bodies, your bodies, a living sacrifice. I'll do it when I can. I'll go when it's right. It's not going to ever happen, friend. How long has it been since you've had somebody sitting on the church pew beside you that needed God? How long has it been since you give somebody a valid look at something that could change their life? Does anybody feel like praying here today? Preacher, there's a missing member from our churches. There's a missing member, Brother Pixar, from our churches. The member that's missing is not the musician, it's not the singer, not the Sunday school teacher, not the usher. Unfortunately, the most important person of all is missing. The witness hasn't taken their place. The witness is absent. I wonder if there's anybody here today that wants to apply for the job. Is there anybody here that the Holy Ghost can dig through the layers of comfort? I don't... I guess this is okay. What about an altar? Can we do that? Can we have an altar service here? Is anybody... Not out of peer pressure, not because somebody else is going. Is there somebody here today that'll come and say, God, give me one more opportunity, give me one more chance. You've blessed me so much. When truth no longer means everything, then truth means nothing at all. An elder said, Come on, can we come and give ourselves to it? Sing, Brother Pixner. Please, can we pray? Can the witness be born? Can a desire be born? Somebody, touch.